welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we are meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. All right. Welcome back to the show. I hope everybody's having a wonderful day and week so far. Today, it's my pleasure to bring someone on the show who, truth be told, I think some people would look at this and go, really? And I'm like, no, no, no. She's amazing. This this is the and the reason I'm saying people would say, really, because she's my producer. Right. So without further ado, she is she, she's so much more than just my producer, though. She is she's the progenitor. She's the beginning of Ginny Media. She is an amazing human being. She's the host of The Ginny Show. Ginny Saraswati, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Adam Kruger, what an introduction. When you started off, I'm like, where is he going with this? This could go down a different particular path than I thought it would, but you you brought it right back. Very, very cheeky. And 400 points for getting my surname right. I am very, very pleased that you're very accustomed to the Hindu deities. Hey, you know what? After after my yoga and Ayurveda program, I'm I'm extremely accustomed and I know about the Saraswati River and I know all sorts of wonderful things about that. So it's second nature, I I would say. I figured it would be. I was like, just wait till this homeboy drops my name and he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that that's something that sometimes comes off as really difficult, right? Yeah. I have not made it easy for people because even my birth surname, which I no longer use in media, that was also a difficult one. So I'm like, let's just change it to Saraswati, which was a name a spiritual teacher of mine gave me about nine years ago. And I'm like, I haven't really made it easy for people, but at least Saraswati has some precedence to it, given that is the name of a Hindu goddess of wisdom, speech, and the arts, which I don't think is a coincidence. I ended up in podcasting as a result of that as well. So it's a big name to grow into, and I'm still growing into it. <laughs> mm, I think that depends on your perspective. I think you've embodied it fully and completely. Um, Thank you. I, I want to unpack the spiritual teacher situation, but before we do, I want to just kind of get into a bit of your backstory because you are currently in New York City. You are the head of Ginny Media, clearly. It's your namesake. But you weren't always in New York. You didn't start there. Can you give my listeners a bit of an idea of where you started and how you got to where you are today? Because I know it's an amazing story and I want them to hear it too. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate the runway to share this story. So I actually, in college, I studied journalism, media, and uh, creative arts. And while I was doing that, I got, I was a bit of a thespian. I love to act. I love to put on shows. I love to perform, which is very different to what I grew up around. My sister did a bachelor of science. She's a bank manager. My mom was a bank manager, formerly a math teacher. So there was very much a theme of let's go for the traditional jobs of math, science, medicine, law, all those sorts of things within my family and extended family. 
but not me. I'm like, I want to go on stage and perform and be characters and be crazy. So I was doing theatre plays at the time. I was also dabbling into a bit of film and TV. And there was this application that popped up on a station in Melbourne called Joy 94.9. It was Melbourne and Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. At the time, you know, I was coming out as bisexual. And this is nothing against the bisexual community. But for me, it was my way to put one foot outside of the closet, but still remain in the closet. I then fully came out and identify as a lesbian. As I was going through that journey, applying for Joy was kind of like a way to really step into and discover a little bit more about myself. So when I signed up to Joy, they asked on the application, like, what do you want to do? And I ticked every single thing but being on air because I knew if I were to go behind the mic, even though I'd performed in front of hundreds of people, sometimes thousands, this would be me being me. I can't hide behind a script. I can't be a character. This is Ginny in some way, shape or form. So I ticked everything, cleaning, admin, assistant, producer, everything. I did not want to be on air, but eventually the program director at the time was like, I think you have a bit too much personality not to be on air. So I got the graveyard shift, did the 11 to 1 a.m. shift, played music, talked in between. And then from there, I progressed to drive time and then had my morning show for 10 years on and off with, with a couple of other people, which was fantastic. And during that time, I worked for free, Adam. I got up at 4.30 a.m. on a Wednesday morning drove to the radio station, did my show prep, jumped on air with my then co-host or co-hosts at the time. And I was able to really learn the pace of on-air radio because obviously you've got to fit in news, weather, traffic, all of the above. Also at the time I was working a day job. Now I had about four day jobs in my 10 years having my morning show. I was an account manager for a radio station. I was an account coordinator. I also worked in aeroplane part construction, just a random job to throw in there. That was officially my last day job before I went fully into Ginny Media. But it was through that day job that I was able to start Ginny Media as a side hustle. Because upon reflection, I knew that my love, my heart, my vision, my purpose had something to do with radio or audio. I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew because I'd committed to that so willingly and freely, because I literally did volunteer my time to do that. I knew that that's where my passion lied. And I remember at the time after we wrapped up my morning show, I'm like, podcasting seems to be quite a thing at the moment. Because when podcasts first came out, a lot of the radio stations would pull audio from certain interviews FM stations would do with celebrities. They would turn into podcasts. And I saw this trend in people listening to podcasts more and more because of the full autonomy it allows its listener. You can listen on your own time and that is entirely up to you. And it's fantastic. So I'm like, all right, I think I'm going to start my own podcast. And I knew at the time we were flying over to America once a year to, you know, cover some events happening on the West Coast and the East Coast. And I met the love of my life, which is New York City. It's one of those, I know it's one of the cities that, you know, people love it or hate it. Not many people like it. It's one or the other. But New York City still to this day is the love of my life. And during the time I was flying over here, I also met a New Yorker who I fell in love with at the time. So parts were leading up to New York. Like it just seemed like I was going to move here and that was just inevitable. So what happened was I did move over here in uh, 2017 as I started to slowly build my side hustle. So my side hustle, which is now called Ginny Media, I had five podcasting clients when I moved over to New York City. Currently we have 76. It's been a really amazing space to really lean into. And I think one of those, and I look back at the last three years, I'm like, damn, like it's it's taken a lot of blood, sweat and perseverance, sometimes some migraines, but 
it's been the most rewarding experience of my life and I know will continue to be. So that was a very long bio there, Adam. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, it did. And it was wonderful. I mean, I, first of all, I don't think it's long at all. I think that I think that there are so many details in there that we could totally unpack because, first of all, coming from Australia to New York City, as someone who grew up in Canada and moving from Montreal to LA, granted, I didn't have to cross an ocean yeah. to get here or or yeah. more, than, more than an ocean. You might have yeah. crossed more than one ocean, although technically it's all the same ocean, but yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Let's we'll talk about getting, that yeah, yeah we, we've defined all sorts of things on this planet as people <laughs> that probably have no need to be defined, but that's yeah. a whole other, that's a different conversation. But I understand what it is to to travel away from home. You traveled so much further. Was there, I, I mean, I know that you were coming back and forth and sort of, it was driving you in this direction. And of course you fell in love with the city. And of course it doesn't hurt to fall in love with a human being as well. Exactly. <laughs> but were, were there any moments of doubt? Were there any moments of, of just, I don't know if I should be doing this or uh, like what drove you to get over the humps and the, well, I guess I want to say the barriers that obviously are there yeah. when you're moving from one country to another. I think for me, that's a great question, Adam. And I love the way that you asked that because leaving your home of 30 years, you know, especially when you migrate from Sri Lanka to Australia, you know, my family, like we've moved to a Western country. We're done. Like that is it. There's no more moving to other Western countries. And I'm like, eh, but you know, <laughs> was I scared? Absolutely. I was, especially when I remember when I handed in my resignation to my day job at the time, the manager at the time was lovely. She gave me a hug because I gave her a heads up. I'm like, listen, I'm letting you know that they were giving up, they were having redundancies or severance packages at the time. I just let her know, listen, if I don't get one, if I'm not asked to leave, I will be leaving willingly. She gave me a hug at the time because I think she knew, even though like I was one of her workers leaving, I think she knew how much this step meant for me. I think it was the first time in my life upon reflection, Adam, that I've actually gone all in on a number of things. I was moving to an entirely new city not knowing what this city would hold for me. I was diving all in on this relationship, which had been long distance for almost two years. And, you know, I was going all in. And it's the first time I've ever committed myself that way in a relationship. Sorry to any of my ex-girlfriends who are listening. And it's also the first time I've gone all in on a creative or a passion project or a side hustle. So I was going all in on a lot of things. And even though it did scare the crap out of me, I remember flying over and landing in New York it was in December I landed, which is bloody cold here in New York. We don't get winters like this in Australia. So I remember landing and, you know, I got in the cab and I went to my, I was then living in Brooklyn. I didn't really feel at home at the space that I moved into. I was sharing with a couple of other people. I remember going there to my room. It was just a mess because there was, it was already furnished. There was stuff everywhere I had to clean. And I looked at my suitcase and I had to drag it up two flights of stairs. I'm like, what have I done? Like every stair that I was going up, I was like, what have I done? And I sat on my bed and I thought about the airport in Melbourne, like saying goodbye to my little niece who I'd known her whole life, my sister, my brother-in-law, my friends who I messaged. I thought I've left this bubble of love and safety and I'm now here in this brownstone. Like, what have I done? There was a moment of sheer fear that kind of took over my body. I'm like, what have I done? However, even though I felt that through that fear, I knew this is exactly where I'm supposed to be and wherever this goes, this will go. Because the worst case scenario for me, Adam, is that I go back to Australia, do a day job, be hanging out with my family and friends, which I've done before. And I love doing that. 
that is okay. If that is my fallback plan, if that is the worst case scenario for me, all is well. So it did freak the crap out of me. <laughs> as, it, as it would anybody. I mean, and I, yeah. can, I can definitely relate because I've obviously been in that position. And I think it's one of those things where when someone understands that there's more, that there's something else that they can do. And it's this, this inner burning desire, this passion to go and do that thing, whatever it is, it could be anything for anyone. But at the end of the day, you realize my hometown's always going to be there. I can always go back. Always. And you really can. I mean, look, for the most part, some people, obviously, they leave for whatever reason they leave and they have no choice and they can't go back and that's fine. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, generally speaking, if you're going to take a chance on something, you can always go back to where things were, but you're never going to grow if you don't take that chance. Now, you mentioned leaving this bubble of love and safety, right, to go and start new in New York. And yeah. There's, there's two things I want to kind of address there, because obviously that burning desire, that passion, that idea that you were meant to do more than what you were currently doing was enough to propel you out of that bubble of love and safety. And yeah. so I want to talk about this whole idea that that bubble of love and safety is something that we truly bring with us wherever we go. So how did you create your new bubble of love and safety when you got to New York? Well, it did help that I had someone I was very much in love with and, and in a relationship at the time. So that was helpful that I felt somewhat supported when I was moving over here. And also coming here every year, sometimes a couple of times, I had established a network of friends. So I knew that this would be a new chapter that I could you know, co-create with other people. And you're right, you can take love and safety with you everywhere. And even though it's not the same as you FaceTime, as I'm sure we all know going through this pandemic together, it's not the same as the physical touch. There is still that connection that you have to people, right? And you can just see it in another form or explore it in another form, which makes, you know, when you see them physically, it's a whole lot more different and things shift and change. I think for me, I knew that year one of moving to New York would be all about going all in on creating Ginny Media. And where, what's that quote? I don't know who the spiritual master was who said it, but where your energy goes or where your attention goes, that's where all the energy and focus and things will grow from there. So whatever you put your mind to, you're putting your mind to something, you're putting intentionally putting energy towards it. That is going to grow, whether it be an emotion, a concept, whatever you want to create, whatever you put towards it, your thoughts, your energy, your sweat, that is going to grow into however it's supposed to grow. And I knew year one would be that for me. And it turned out to be, okay, I need to hire more resources. I stumbled through that. What I didn't do in year one of being an entrepreneur is self-care, which caught up with me in year two. And year three is very different, like where I am now. But year one was very much about, let's go all in and build your own security through this business, build your clientele, form your relationships. I had a great year. I'm still having a great year. I'm still having a great time running Ginny Media. However, it has come with a lot of what seems like very minute pivots have been absolutely astronomical in terms of the change it's given in its trajectory. So to answer your question there, Adam, I think the security and love was, was there. It, it, it's just changed its form over time. And I've also had to recreate myself in certain ways when that's happened. So yeah, it's also like when I moved here too, I'm like, all right, I'm, I've, I'm here with the, the woman that I love. This is going to go a certain way. My business is going a certain way. However, life doesn't turn out the way that you expect it to sometimes. And that's not always the easiest thing to receive. I'm no longer in a relationship with that person, but that love has changed its form. And also the blessing in 
her being able to love me into New York and into this new city is something that, you know, I'll be grateful for. And I get to be with the love of my life, which is New York City. So really, she just loved me into being closer to the love of my life. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> First of all, there's so much to unpack there. There's a lot. There's there's a, a few things that you said that I want to touch on, and I hope that I can cover them all. You had mentioned that you would let your self-care go, you know, and in the first, and, and any entrepreneur can attest to this, when you're launching your baby, right? Because for entrepreneurs, the baby is the business and, and it, yeah. it, it requires just as much as a real human baby. I know this because I have one who's now eight and a half years old. So- <laughs> The amount of energy and time and commitment that goes into that business, right? Oftentimes we overlook our self-care, as you just said, which is not a good thing. Tell me about how that's changed for you in the sense that you've, because I know that you've now refocused and you're, you're taking care of yourself now, yeah. but what were you neglecting before and how did you make the pivot to come back to caring for yourself? So many things, Adam. I think before I went all into Ginny Media and, and moved over here, I was working a day job which had a set start time and a set finish time. And it was 2.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. at night. So I was working afternoon shift. And before that time, I was doing Ginny Media work. I was on the phone to my then girlfriend at the time. And I remember I was pretty much working around the clock. There was, I mean, I'd go to the gym a couple of hours a week, but it was just to go there and move my body. It wasn't really, I wasn't intentional about what I was doing and I wasn't creating the health or the diet around to cater, to give that, that time its full potential to really work its magic. And I remember like going into self or going into the first year of business, my morning routine, Adam, was literally wake up at seven, go brush my teeth, put on my clothes, pack my bag, with my laptop, go to the cafe, have coffee, start working. That was literally my morning routine. And I thought, oh, wow, I love the fact that I'm fitting in a walk in the morning so I can get to the cafe, which was great. However, I was doing that for a year, year and a half. And what happens? Your body starts to talk to you. And I don't know if Oprah coined this phrase, but it's like when the whisper turns into a scream. Unfortunately for me, the mindset I was in back then, I only responded to screams. I did not respond to whispers. So when I was starting to gain weight, probably a whisper, probably actually also a scream too. When I was starting to get migraines monthly, when I was starting to feel anxious or stressed or burnt out, these are all screams. But there were many, many whispers before that. And I knew going into this year, I knew that had to change because I wanted to feel different. I wanted to focus on my quality of life. And why are entrepreneurs doing what they're doing? It's because we want that freedom to create. We want to make impact. We want financial freedom amongst all the other things that we do when we go into this crazy business of, you know, jumping off a cliff and figuring out how to build a plane so we land safely. We do that for the freedom. I'm like, I'm not actually leaning into why I've created this. I'm more leaning into do. So this year, intentionally, I've been, Last year is one year that I really worked on my morning routine. So it was more than just waking up, putting a cup of coffee and then starting work. I wake up, rummage around, do my skincare routine. I go for a walk, get my coffee and then I journal, I meditate, I say what I'm grateful for. I do a bit of reading and then I start my day. It's just consciously starting my day with me and what nourishes me and what I value is super important because if we don't lean into what we value, if we don't lean into what makes us happy and how we want to design our day, we will unconsciously live a life on other people's agendas. And that's not what I want to do. 
That's, I mean, that's brilliant. And I think that's really wonderful. You said that you do the things that feed you and you, you now you meditate, you journal, you, you talk about or think about the things you're grateful for. How has that shifted your life and your business as you've done that? It's been amazing because as I have shifted my mentality on what nourishes me on how rest is actually an important part of work, people see rest and work as separate. That's changed for me this year. I now go on vacation because it's a part of my work. I need that time to think, to recharge because it's part of my work. And my workday starts the moment I wake up and take care of myself. That is not separate from me being a CEO, a friend, a partner, a daughter, a sister. It's not separate. That's very much a part of everything. It's because I'm one whole being, right? I don't take a portion of Ginny to work every day. Ginny comes with me everywhere I go, <laughs> even now, right? So it's, it's that mentality of how things have shifted for me. And I haven't had a migraine in the last seven months, touch wood, because I've consciously shifted into that. I've also cognizantly put in things in my calendar more and more, more so or less this year as to what am I really good at and what do I really shine in and value? So everything I'm doing every day is one intentional. And secondly, it's what I enjoy. When you infuse things with joy, and laughter and joy is one of the things I do value deeply and freedom as well. You do create more prosperity and more abundance and more value to that person that you're in that moment with. Also with my team as well, like there's one of the things that we've done is we really do think about, okay, what's actually giving us life and what's draining us. We think about that every month. Now we have a culmination week at the end of the month where we think about, okay, what are we going to modify? What are we going to eliminate? What are we going to delegate? And those little tweaks to get into that practice really does help keep you nourished and keeps you running in a way that's sustainable because we don't want to burn out and get sick and live a life where we're like constantly on that rat race, right? Where we're doing things for other people and not feeling aligned with ourselves. When those things align perfectly, that's when you feel that joy and what you value. It's just, it's the best feeling at him. <laughs> it truly is. You know, honestly, you're, what you're saying is basically that you've, you've found a way to come back to the joy of what it is that you're doing in the first place. I think so many people, they lose that. They, they get, they start with this, oh yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm, it's going to be great. And, I, and then they get into it and then the nitty gritty daily day-to-day -day stuff starts to kind of wear people down. And yeah. you were talking about how you include rest as a part of work. And I think that that's so important. It's something that people need to touch on because I think specifically here in the U.S., there's this mentality of you got to do it. You got to get up at four, work all day, go to sleep at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, repeat, don't ever take a break. Don't ever just go in blood, sweat, tears. Like we wear it like a badge of honor as opposed to going, hey, whoa, wait a second. Balance mm -hmm. is key to life. You look at rest as a part of work. And I find that when you take that time off and you really come away from it and you have you get new a new perspective on it and then you come at it with that renewed vigor and like you've just said you you're now coming at things from a perspective of this is why we did this in the first place i'm so excited this is great and that serves everybody and your business so much better doesn't it 100 and as leaders too i think it's very much on you to set the tone for that if i'm preaching one thing if i'm talking one thing and walking another way your team will energetically sense that whether they're conscious of it or not, they will do things that you do. I remember there was a week that I, I played a little bit of a test on my team where I was canceling meetings just last minute, you know, like I got to do this and do that. I'm like, I wonder how this is going to affect my organization. 
after two weeks, I did a reflection. They were also canceling their department meetings. They were canceling these things. I'm like, you're doing that because I have set a tone saying this is okay to do it because it's monkey see, monkey do. And I don't think we realize that as much sometimes, but the leader really does set the tone and it does take a while to have breakthroughs and for people to shift their personalities and mentalities. But it really is on the leader to incorporate rest as a part of that time. And like what you said, Adam, my business coach, Carly, talks about this scenario of, I think it's two wood choppers. They're both chopping wood. One wood chopper, he chops wood day in, day out, like the 4 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. person doesn't take a break. And you have the other wood chopper who's chopping the wood, but he's always leaving every hour. And then he comes back and he chops wood. And at the end of the day, they both look at how much wood they have chopped. And it turns out the wood chopper who took a break every hour to come back, chop more wood, go away, come back. One, not only had more wood chopped, but the quality of wood was better. It's because he took the time to rest and sharpen his blade. So it's very much a part of, I think we're in this culture where hustle mode is very much heralded. And I understand you do need to put in the work to achieve something. That is not what, what is at debate here. But also, or and also, you need rest to achieve, survive and sustain as well. It's so true. I, I, it reminds me of the, of the term work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And, and it really comes down to that. You can put in hard work, but if you're just, just putting in the work to put in the work, you're doing busy work and that's not really going to get you anywhere. It's, you know, to your analogy, it, it was, and, and I, I, it's a similar analogy where two people are about to, you know, chop down a tree or whatever. And the, the, the one who's doing it smart spends the first half hour sharpening his ax, whereas the other guy's just hacking away takes him twice as long because his blade's not it, it's not exactly. sharp it's dull right so it's the same sort of thing that rest helps you sharpen your your wits now you were talking about intention and and really coming at it with the proper intention and before that you had mentioned that there were a bunch of pivots that happened that really changed the trajectory of the business can you talk about that a little bit sure there are a few pivots that happened and i was reflecting on this today adam so it's a very timely question a few pivots that's happened in terms of one thing that I am so grateful for every day that I write about is the opportunity that I have just as a human being to be the fact that I have, you know, all my senses, I can experience life in a way that some people can't. I have food in my fridge. I have money in my bank account. My, my relatives are all the people that I love are alive and healthy. Thankfully, there's a lot of blessings that I have. And I realized too that when I was reflecting on certain pivots I've made with Ginny Media, the first thing was I had this belief that I had to do it all and that only I could do it well, right? Because my name is attached to this company, there's a sense of ownership that I have to it and a sense of accountability, but also a sense of <laughs> my recovering perfectionist did not like the fact that I had to outsource this. However, to the point of the pivot that I had to make is Maybe, yes, I can do it well. It doesn't really matter if I can do it better or worse than somebody else. But wouldn't it be nice if I could hire someone who could edit audio better than I could? And I have. Wouldn't it be nice if I could like hire a show note writer who could write better show notes than I can? And I did. Wouldn't it be nice if someone could design artwork better than I can? And I have. And I found that leaning into like what I'm good at, which is this part, I feel connecting with people, having conversations, like giving them ideas or inspiring them of what they can create. That's my lane. And it took me a while to get to what my lane was. I had to stumble through all these other lanes, let go of all this control and be like, you know what? That's really not for me to constantly worry about. If I'm, if I was still audio editing and writing show notes and doing design work, 
I don't think even we would be having this conversation because there wouldn't be any time in my schedule. Ginny Media would be probably a third of its size because I would be at capacity. But the pivots that I had to make was trust and letting go of control, which was very hard for me to do, especially as an entrepreneur, when it's your baby, you just want to make sure that you're there that you impact the first 20 to 50 employees that you bring on because they're going to set the tone for the next 200. I can still do that and I can do that more in a refreshed and present and intentional way. So that was one thing that I had to do. The other thing I really had to force myself to do, Adam, which was probably the biggest pivot, is to get super clear on what I value as a human being and what I value in terms of everything in my life. And what I value is freedom. I value joy. I value connection, depth. I value my relationships and those are the things that I value and those are the things that nourish me and give me energy. When I'm not leaning into what I value, I'm not happy. I'm not myself. I'm not the most productive. But just making that pivot to start my day with what I value has literally changed my whole year this year. I felt like with all the external factors that have happened with the pandemic, yes, it's been tough as an entrepreneur because we've had to pivot and change and modify and everything. It's come with its challenges. I don't think I would have been able to survive if I didn't lean into what I valued. That's the biggest pivot I think any entrepreneur can make. And that's why like when you read books about successful people, they always talk about their morning routines and, and people are like, what is this wanky stuff? It may sound wanky, but there is a method and a common thread to that madness. It's that foundational thing of what do I value and what do I need to set my day up so I can live into more of what I value is what's so super important. I love that you use the word wanky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Been using it a lot lately. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's no, I, I think that's, I think it's, I think it's really true because, you know, at the end of the day, we're actually, maybe I should say at the beginning of the day, that's you're setting the tone for the rest of your day. Now, anyone who's been listening to Enhanced Living for a while, you know that I am, and I, 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 it's not even being a proponent. I just know everything's energy. Science knows everything is energy. And so how you start your day is going to dictate how you end your day. Okay. It's going to dictate how your day goes. So leaning into your values is so powerful. Leaning into the wanky stuff, as some Mm. people might call it, of waking up, meditating, setting your intention, writing the things you're grateful for, setting all those things up ahead of time. It sets you up for success. Everyone's experienced it where you oversleep for whatever reason, and then you jump out of bed and stub your toe. And then all of a sudden you're swearing and cursing, and then the the hot water runs out. And then it's one thing after the other. And, And most people will go, well, that's just chance. I, you know, that's just my crappy day that happened. No, it's not. It's your intention. When you set the right intention, that is an energy that is a power that you send out into the universe that is working to conspire to make you go to to the ends of the world to to succeed in what it is that you're trying to do. Now, you were talking about getting clear on, on what you wanted and getting clear on those intentions and also learning to trust and let go. How were you able to do that? I can relate to that. Trusting and letting go. Well, learning to trust is is a little easier than letting go in my, in my experience. Anyhow, how did you manage to do that? How did I manage to trust and let go? Mm -hmm. And I was forced to a point where I had no choice, but to (laughs) let's just say that's kind of what I figured the universe has been kind of toying with me the past two years. I mean, like, all right, well, if you're not going to listen, I'm going to slap you out of it. That's exactly what's happened. So I think for me, the biggest thing that happened and the universe communicates to me, which I've learned is through my heart. It's got to be something deeply personal that happens to kind of slap me out of my own 
funk or control or my own real blockages of where I get in the way of myself sometimes. So when my relationship ended last year, it was a real wake up call for me to be like, what have I done the past two and a half years living here? All the emotions that you go through in a natural breakup when you're grieving, but also just really thinking about what do I want to create for myself? Like, where have I held the space for me? And I thought a lot of this time, like there is method to madness in practicality and formula where A plus B equals C. If you do this, you may achieve this outcome, which there is truth to that. And there's obviously proven science to that. But for me, the letting go of the thing was this is not how it was supposed to be. As I said to you in this conversation, the plan was move to New York, start a business, be with the woman that you love. End of story a part of that statement had changed and I needed to get used to that. I wasn't, it took me a while. It took me a minute. I'm like that third part of the statement I really held on to because that was really much a part of my story of moving over here. And that was very much, this is the, the longest relationship I've been in. All these thoughts were going through my head, but the universe is like, Hey, this had to happen in this way. So you could wake up and get more aligned with what you value. So when when that happened, I had to really think about what do I want? I had to ask myself the question, what do I really want from my life? Why am I doing this? The times that I wasn't daring to pause, the universe just made me pause. It's like, I'm going to make you pause now and think about what you're doing. And that's when it started. I had to think about how do I want to start my day? What kind of human being do I want to be? What kind of people do I want to put in my team to inspire other people to share with their voice? What am I actually doing with Ginny Media other than producing podcasts? So it was a moment, Adam, where I had to let go and be like, a lot of this stuff that I need to focus on means that I've got to let go of all these things I'm holding on to. That includes stuff to do in my business and that includes a lot of stuff to do in my personal life. I'm not really sometimes the one in the driver's seat. It's the universe. And I think the universe likes to nudge me through my heart to be like, are you really driving now, Ginny? Okay, your job is just to focus on what you value. Let me take care of the rest. And that's exactly what's happening. It's so true. <laughs> I, I, it's almost like instead of us driving cars around, we're really on a train, okay? We know the destination, but it's not our job to get ourselves there. It's our job to just you know follow that inspired nudge, do the work, do the inspired work, of course, and then allow your intention to bring you there. It's it's like you know buy the ticket, the train will get you there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the yeah. plane. I don't I don't know why I'm using a train for example, but yeah. you know I was I was on the ground, so I figured stick with the train. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's an interesting concept that comes up because you said that you know, the relationship was a big part of the story. And I'm using air quotes as to why you were here. And I think that a lot of us and most of us, if you look at your entire life, and I, I believe the very first time I was really introduced to this was while watching a documentary on the Landmark Forum with Werner Earhart. About- I've done that. So, so I know exactly I, what you're talking about. Yeah. I never actually did the Landmark Forum. Right, I just right, watched right. the documentary on it. Right. But but the powerful part about it, because, you know, I, I know that there are some, some people who are kind of polarized around that whole topic of, of Landmark Forum and so on and yeah. so forth. But there is a lot of validity in, in the sense of, look, everything that's happened to you up until this point, it's no longer happening. It's no longer real. It is just a story. You get to create yourself anew every single time. And I think the universe does remind us that, look, everything is transient. Everything ends. Everything fades away. Your body will fade away. Your buildings, the buildings will fade away. Leave it alone for enough time. Nature will overtake it. So knowing that everything is temporary, right? It's about, it's about letting go of that story and creating your story anew, right? Yeah. 
It's a blank canvas that we're gifted with, yet we resist it so much. I had this wonderful conversation with a mindfulness teacher about the experience of death, what you were saying about transient. Human beings experience death almost more regularly than we're actually conscious of. Death is more than just someone's life ending. We experience death in relationships. We experience death in loss of a job, in loss of a, you know, a, trans- a transition from one country to another. A death has happened in that, that part of your life is now closed. You're moving on to another part. But what we do as human beings is we avoid the grief and the grief in that death or the grief in that experience is where the blank canvas is created and the new story or the new new shift is created. We tend to circumvent that because like, I don't want to deal with this grief. We're going to go into something else. But that's where the magic is, Adam. And it's so true what you just said there. It's it's true. Actually, I just did a solo episode about that very fact about that nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And yeah. all the things we experience are necessary for our evolution. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. that's it's it's really a, a true statement. And I, I want to circle back on something real quick, because at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about talking to a spiritual teacher who gave you the name Saraswati in the end. Yeah. And see, yeah. I, I I'm coming full circle. I love I, it. I, I want to know the story because, you know, not everyone is, as is, is blessed to be able to a work with a spiritual teacher. I, I have had the good fortune of being able to work with and meet my, my wife's uh, spiritual guru who she's known since she was a baby. I was also given a spiritual name, wow. which is, oh yeah, it's Ananda, which is bliss. Oh, and love and, it. Beautiful. Yeah. Very, and, very, <laughs> it's a very fitting name for you, Adam. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's so kind. But you know, th- th- not about me. I want to know, I want to know about, about how you came into the presence of the spiritual teacher, how the Saraswati name was given to you and, and talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I, I have to know. I love how you came back to this question. So in this conversation, I mentioned to you that the universe likes to get my attention through my heart, which is being tried and true. And I was thinking about that because it was this very moment that I thought about quite fondly uh, just recently. So I was 25 and I was just coming out of a very rocky relationship at the time. And I noticed there was this pattern that I had where I was just attracting people that were either emotionally available and I was somewhat available. They always lived in a different zip code or something like that. And there was, I was just not happy. I was working a job that paid the bills, but I wasn't fulfilled in. And I knew deep down that there was something more that I wanted, which, you know, you talked about in this conversation. And I remember there was one night, I was a Sunday night, there was a girl's party called Sunday Licious in Melbourne, which I went to uh, every month on a Sunday. This particular night, I'm like, do I want to go? No, I don't. I remember straightening my hair. My niece was like, I think she was two at the time. She kind of came in, stood on a little ladder and pretended to straighten her hair too. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just keep doing this for a while. And then my whole hair was straightened. And I'm like, well, I should go because I'm all dressed up and I literally have, I should go somewhere. So I ended up leaving and I, I remember going to the party. I parked my car and you know, the quote, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. That quote really did make its mark that night. So I went to this party and it's not a place to meet a spiritual teacher at a lesbian dance party, right? But the universe works in its ways. And I was chilling that day and I met this glorious, gorgeous woman I won't say a name to stay, say respectful to her, but I connected with her and this is the universe saying to me, Ginny, I'm going to get your attention through this very pretty girl. And she started talking about her spiritual teacher at the time, who was Shakti Durga. And Shakti Durga is one of Australia's, one of Australia's, I think she's Australia's only female guru, but 
she just had these teachings on relationships and igniting your spirit and chakras. I'm like, what is all this about? There was just this sense of joy about this girl and this sense of peace. I'm like, how do I, how do I get that way? Right. And then she introduced me to another one of her friends who was just joy on legs. She was Pavati Sundari. She became my first spiritual teacher and she was just happy. I'm like, I just want to know more about this, this life. And then they eventually introduced me to Shakti Durga, who is still a spiritual teacher I hold very dearly in my heart. She's been one of the many spiritual teachers that I've had. And she gave me the name Saraswati. And at the time I was just doing radio and I was working a corporate job. And I'm like, what is this name? And when she gave me the name, I actually didn't know she gave me the name. I was like, what's going on here? I don't know why people are singing at me. Why are they chanting this over and over again? I was completely out of that experience of getting my spiritual name, which is a pretty big step in your spiritual journey. So when I got the name, I'm like, okay, people are like, oh, congratulations, you got your name. I'm like, what's my name? Pray tell, tell me what my name is. They're like, it's Saraswati. I'm like, what's that? It's like, well, it's a goddess of speech, wisdom, arts, creativity. I'm like, oh, no one can say that. That's not a cool name. I wanted a cool name like Rafiki, like, you know, from the Lion King, the wise <laughs> monkey. It's like, don't think they're in Hindu deities, Ginny. Like, I don't think Rafiki is a Hindu deity. I'm like, mm. But when I got that name, it, this, I remember Shakti Durga saying to me, that's a big name to grow into. And it just, since that time, like the mindfulness, spirituality, looking at life, something in me shifted when I met those three people. And it shifted in the way that I looked at life very differently in the sense of I knew every moment or every experience, even though it may not feel that way at the time, it was teaching me something. And it shifted in me. I, I, I think that was when I first learned how to let go of control, just to be like, I'm just letting this woman name me. But, you know, there was that kind of love and that relationship that we had where that student teacher trust, where she just knew, okay, this is someone I'm going to name. I'm going to give her a name. She's going to grow into this. So she's, she was one of my first spiritual teachers at him. And I think for me, like, there's so much, there's so many teachers that appear that may not be a spiritual teacher or a recognized spiritual teacher, but there's teachings everywhere. That's so true. The, there, there are teachings in the mundane as there are in the exciting and, and the, yeah. I mean, profane, mundane, whatever, whatever crazy superlatives you yeah. want to use. Yeah. The, the truth is, is that you can learn from every single moment in life. I want to touch on one more topic before I ask you my final question, just because I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this, because you were talking about how, again, coming back around to the beginning of the conversation, when you came out as bisexual, because you had one foot in the closet and one foot out of the closet. Now, right. I know that that for a lot of people who who are in that position and nowadays it's a lot better. I feel like I feel like the trans community is now having its gay moment from years ago where that wasn't accepted. And now this is is the one that's kind of more front and center. And maybe I'm wrong about that. But from my perspective, love who you love, be who you are. We talked about this before we even started the interview. But I want to know what that was like for you as far as coming out in Australia versus being in the United States. Obviously, being in New York, you're you're in a better position, of course, than being in Let's say Omaha, but yeah. did you notice a difference? Well, so it's a two-part question. One, what was it like for you coming out in Australia and and dealing with that? And how did you how did you mitigate the the emotions around it? And then and then the second part of the question is coming to New York. Did you notice a difference in tolerance? And the reason I'm asking is because you know growing up in Canada, gay marriage became legal in 2005, but even before that. Growing up, if someone was gay, like they were gay, it wasn't a big deal. Like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a thing. It wasn't as stigmatized for some reason. It yeah. was a little more tolerant. And so I'm curious to know, was there a difference between Australia and the US and, and how you, how you handled the emotions and, and, and the whole situation of coming out in general and what, what that was like in, in your family and. Yeah. 
sure. That's a great question, Adam. I haven't had to think about this for a while, but thinking about it now, I'm, I'm thinking about how when I first came out, I was 18, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. So talking about sexuality and potentially being a lesbian, not cool. There was a rumor at the time because I did have a crush on a teacher that everybody found out about. There was a rumor, oh, Ginny's gay. Or, but when people claim to know more about you than you already do, that's a very confronting experience, especially when you're going through puberty, right? When people say, oh, you know, she's like this or they box you or try to define you when you're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on, it can be quite a confronting experience. I remember like I that kind of shook some fear into me. It's not safe to really explore this in this Catholic all-girls school space, right? So when I turned 18, I left school and I was getting into college. I'm like, all right, maybe I can I have a bit of room here. And I remember when I started at Joy, when we were doing the class in radio, I remember we were sitting down in a class and there was a group of boys talking about how, how cute, I think it was Matt Damon or somebody was. I remember sitting back going, wow, like imagine if I'd grown up with this, like imagine if it, if it was okay to say, if it was okay and safe to say those things. And some of the girls were talking about, you know, how gorgeous Angelina Jolie was in her new movie that was coming out with Brad Pitt with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And I'm like, Yes, Angelina Jolie, like I agree. And I was able to express myself vocally for the first time and not fear the repercussions of what I just said. So for me, that's when I took the other foot out of, outside the closet. I'm like, now it's safe for me to be me. I knew I couldn't be all in on the closet because it just didn't feel right for me, but I knew it wasn't completely safe for me to be all out. So I was able to step out. And this is why I'm so grateful for Joy because it really did allow me to step into and embrace who I was. And as cliche as that sounds, that is the truth of that experience. And I think Australia only passed marriage equality three years ago. In fact, it was actually a beautiful parting gift Australia gave me. I'm making this sound very poetic, but when my visa got approved, Australia was putting up a vote, a referendum for marriage equality where people could vote yes or no. Over 70% of the population voted yes, or the vote voted yes. And it was just beautiful to be like, I'm leaving this country, but if I ever do return or my passport's still Australian, I'm still Australia's responsibility, according to my immigration papers, I can get married there. And it was just such a beautiful parting gift. But I know Australia has taken a while to get there. And I know Australia has done it in its own way. But coming to New York and coming to the pride parades where like the parades go for like seven, eight hours and Australia has one that goes for like 40 minutes. It was such a contrast. And here, you know, I remember the year that 2015, when Obama made marriage equality a law across the land, it was just, it was just like a different world. I think everybody who felt closeted at some point in their life just felt seen and heard in that moment. And it was vastly different to embrace that and be in the energy. And obviously being in New York, you know, it's very liberal and you see the Empire State Building and it's all in the rainbow colours you get all the feels. So it was the visibility factor was definitely higher here in the States. And obviously living in New York, I do feel a big difference, but I think Australia is still catching up to that, but it's, it's still, I'm, I'm glad both places are open to it now. I think the world still has a, a ways to go as far as live and let live. I mean, yeah. I feel really fortunate to have grown up in Canada because I remember being 17 years old years ago. This was before marriage equality in Canada even. Yeah. And I remember working the Pride Parade, DJing, yeah. and, and they put me on the leather float, which was 
If oh. anyone, if anyone doesn't know what that is, just look it up. But they, I, and I remember because I've always been, I've always been someone who's just, you know, look, live and let live. I know what I'm all about, and that's that's what matters to me. So, and I remember they were like, okay, well, we want you to wear these leather chaps and and a harness. And I was like, look, I said, look, I'm an ally, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not wearing that. Thank you very much. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't fit with my vibe. I will yeah, DJ, yeah. and we will have a great time yeah. as we as we drive through the city but I'm not putting on a harness. So <laughs> at the end of the day, I just, I think that uh, the, the message really is look, live and let live, let people be who they are, let them love who they, who they want to love. As long as they're not messing with you, if you don't feel that way, then what, like, what does it matter? So, and again, I, I don't want to turn this into anything that it's not. I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up, which is something that I like to ask of all of my guests on the show. And, and, and granted, I think that if anyone, this has been a theme in the last few episodes where if you just listen back to the episode, you're going to get so much wisdom from Ginny. But I want to know if you could give my listeners one thing today to take away that would help them live enhanced. What would your one bit of advice be? Just one. Don't let anybody else's discomfort about you shrink who you are. That is so powerful. It's like we need to. It's it's the difference between modesty and humility. Humility is grounded. It's the Latin word for of the earth, and modesty is a very patriarchal term. That especially for you know, if you look at the modern current climate, you can look at the sort of repercussions of that. But I feel that sometimes we fear shining bright. We dim our light for the comfort of others. Don't do that. No, no. Shine your light bright. Be who you are. Ginny, we didn't get to talk about your show, The Ginny Show, which is airing <laughs> on all the pod players everywhere. And as dynamic as Ginny is, by the way, her show is amazing. So go ahead and check that out. Is there anything else you would like to leave my listeners with today before we wrap up? Keep listening to Ananda. I love it. Like, it's just, <laughs> I think you've been aptly named, Adam, and I think you are living and embodying Ananda through everything that you do. And even enhanced living is a way of experiencing Ananda of the heart. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me, Adam. It's been a joy as always connecting with you. Yes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.